For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Welcome to Over the Line, a very hot edition of Over the Line. It is a bazillion degrees in here, and we're just going to sweat it out. We're going to pretend like we're at the sauna today. Actually, we have a lot going on here in the studio. We've got fans and window units and all kinds of stuff, so you're probably going to hear some humming in the background. Trying to edit that out later, see what happens. But I had to do something. <laughs> because it, even though it's a bazillion degrees in here now, it would have been two bazillion degrees if I had not put all these things in place. So we're just going to work around them and see what happens. But I know this is a strange time for you guys that like to watch the live show. For us to just do it in the middle of the day like this, but the opportunity presented itself, so that's what we're doing. We're just throwing one out there, impromptu. We don't ever give you guys a heads up, and uh, that's that's our fault. We apologize. But it's it's just how we do things. It's all we can do. And there was so much going on over the weekend that, that there's no way that we could just leave you guys hanging on that front. It's it's hard, first of all, for a lot of people on the weekends when you dealing with everyday life. You got kids. You got this, that, and the other going on. It's hard to just sit down on the weekends and concentrate on the news. And that's why you always hear the old adage of, of in politics, people say, you know, they put the news they don't want you to know about or want you to hear about late on Friday afternoon or Friday night. Because not a lot of people pay attention to the news after Friday. They got the weekend, they'll pick it back up on Monday. But in a lot of cases, those stories... Uh, they die or 
um, they end up uh, being superseded by uh, some other story. So you never hear about them. But this one, this was a big deal. And this was not going to be overshadowed by any other story, so you're hearing about it today still. But it, it was it was wild how it went down because nobody really expected it to happen because it was so just thrown together at the last minute. We all knew the G20 was going to be going down, which all the world leaders went to Japan and they met and they talked about the issues that affect the entire world and blah, blah, blah. You know that old gag. All the globalists get together and they hang out and they, they drink coffee and, and uh, talk about how great their country is, this, that, and the other, and guess. I don't know. I've never been there. But um, after that, Donald Trump decided he wanted to attempt to meet with Kim Jong-un, shake his hand, just say hi. He's in town. He says, hey, I'm on your side of the world. Just want to come by and meet you. So he sends a tweet out approximately, you know, 15, 20 hours before the G20 saying, hey, once I get done over here, if you want to meet me over at the DMZ, love to see you, shake your hand, say hi. You know, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Just want to stop by in the neighborhood. Come see me. So the G20 goes down. Donald Trump then shows up at the DMZ. And sure enough, Kim Jong-un comes walking out on the North Korea side, meets him at the border there. You've all seen the DMZ. You know what it looks like. Meets him right there at the border in between those two buildings. Shakes his hand, exchanges a few words, then turns around and holds his arm out as to say... Hey, you want to come over on the North Korean side? I know uh, a sitting president has never done that, but I wouldn't mind bringing you over. Sure enough, Donald Trump accepts, walks right over, makes history. Then they come back on the North, uh, the South Korean side, and they go in the building and conduct themselves a 40-minute meeting. So literally, with the power of one tweet, Donald Trump was able to set up Another summit with Kim Jong-un. People always ask, well, why has Donald Trump got to tweet? Why has he got to keep using Twitter? Why can't he just get off there and, and, you know, use something else to get the message out? This is why. Because this is so powerful. This Twitter is so powerful. He literally pulled off a meeting in hours with the most reclusive leader, world leader on the planet. With one tweet. Kim Jong-un doesn't even have a Twitter. And he still pulled it off. It's absolutely insane. We're going to talk a lot about that. History being made. We're going to talk about the G20. And obviously the presidential campaign that is in full swing. At the end of last week, we saw two presidential debates, both on the Democrat side. And two rounds of, uh, I, I think it was ten candidates per debate. It was entertaining, to say the least. I know a lot of you guys watch that, so we'll break that down a little bit and what has happened after the fact. Let me first throw this out there. Nick the Marketer and NickTheMarketer.com. Nick the Marketer, by the way, he just turned 40 years old, so a very happy birthday to that guy. These guys are rocking and rolling. I I, I, I was there when this thing started at the ground floor, this, this business of Nick the Marketer. It was nothing but a vision. And he kind of 
talked to me about what he was planning on doing. He's like, this is kind of what I want to go for. I want to help people uh, build their business, be successful, garner customers, and do it on the digital side of things. I want to be able to uh, help them utilize their website and anything online that uh, they can use to bring in customers, to, to make their business more successful, to get their name out there. And that's exactly what he's doing. And these guys are growing by leaps and bounds. I'm absolutely amazed every day what these guys do. It's crazy. I mean, they've, they've built their own software at this point where literally, if you're a business owner and you team up with these guys, you can check the numbers for who's going to your website, what they're looking at, how long they're spending on there, if they're contacting you and actually buying your product or purchasing your services. And everything that they can see, as far as your success rate, you can see as the business owner as well. It's crazy. So make sure you go to nickthemarketer.com. If any of those needs apply to you, their number, if you need to get in touch with them, 205-610-9550. 205-610-9550. And nickthemarketer.com, proud sponsor of this show, helping out over the line it's really since its inception. That's right. That's right. All right. If you're watching the live video, make sure you uh, go on your social media, tell your friends about it, put it out there, let them know. Otherwise, they can listen to it on the backside. They can listen to my air conditioner uh, blowing in the background. You hear it? It's really loud. <laughs> I can't help it. I couldn't help it. So, all right. Let's get started. Y'all ready for this? The meeting between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un at the DMZ. Now, of course, the left is losing their mind over this, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but it was it was a historical moment, and I found myself in a weird position. Y'all know how much of a nerd I am over this stuff. I heard it was actually going to happen around 11, I guess 11, 12 o'clock, when I'm winding down on a Saturday night, Ready to hit the hay. I've I've been. Uh, it's been a long day. It's been a long week. I just need to get some rest. And then word hits the news wire that this is gonna go down. It's very likely this is gonna go down. Wow, crap. Well, I gotta stay up. So I'm in the bed. I pull out the iPad and the uh, I pull up the whatever I use live TV Hulu, and I'm watching intently. I'm excited too. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited, although I'm tired. So I got the iPad sitting on my chest. Donald Trump and his crew and the media, they're all standing at the border, staring at the other side at North Korea, waiting on Kim Jong-un to come out. And I'm like, man, this is, this is a, in the words of Joe Biden, this is a big effing deal, okay? <laughs> and I wait, and I wait, and I wait for what seems like forever. And the next thing I know, next thing I know, I wake up. And Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un are standing on the other side of the border, on the South Korean side, smiling and waving as they had uh, conducted their business. I missed the whole thing. I passed out. I woke up, iPad on my chest, just still, <laughs> still going. So I had to go back on the backside and watch it. I was so ashamed of myself. I was ready to watch it live. But it, it had the same feel as, as the first... The first meeting between Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. You remember how big of a deal that was? I, I remember 
specifically, and I guess that was just, what, a year ago, standing in the kitchen, doing the same thing, staring at the iPad, watching intently, waiting for this to go down, because it, it was history. It was history in the making. We don't see... We don't see presidents meeting with the leader of North Korea. It just doesn't happen. It's not a thing. Yet this president somehow pulls it off. And he does it in a way that causes the left to absolutely lose their mind. They think losing their mind over this is actually going to help them because they can spin it in a way that, you know, I guess, promotes their cause or whatever. They come from the angle that he's cozying up to dictators. He's playing nice with them. He's just, he's on the verge of giving them the farm. He's on the verge of just giving everything away, lifting sanctions, and then letting these guys proceed with their their nuclear arms race. And the next thing you know, they're going to blow us and all of our allies off the map. Which is actually the opposite of what he's doing but is the same thing that Barack Obama did if you recall Barack Obama did get cozy behind closed doors or when he thought the mics were off and did give them the farm in Iran's case billions of dollars as you recall lifting sanctions on these people in exchange for uh, just being nice to us just be nice Donald Trump, however, he's the guy that'll smile in your face and then stab you in the back if you don't play fair. So their thing is Kim Jong-un is being elevated. He's being legitimized. He's, he's being uh, promoted by our commander-in-chief. And basically, he's just giving him all this power and all this prestige, giving him what he wants. Is what they what they say. Now the one point they don't bring up when they make those loosely knitted points, they don't bring up the fact that Kim Jong Un goes into these negotiations or into these summits expecting some sort of sanctions relief, which is what this is all about. There's two sides of this. There's one side that wants North Korea to give up these weapons. There's the other side that wants Sanctions relief. Well, if one side doesn't get their nuclear weapons eliminated, the other side's not going to get their sanctions relief. Donald Trump goes into these meetings. He's super nice to Kim Jong-un, calls him his friend, smiles to his face, does all the things he needs to do to make Kim Jong-un feel comfortable so he'll cut a deal with us. And if he doesn't cut that deal, guess what Donald Trump does? He gets up, he walks away, and he leaves the sanctions in place. So if Kim Jong-un is going into this thing thinking he's getting one, one up on the U.S., he's getting one over on the U.S., it's not happening. He's not getting anything of value out of Donald Trump being nice to him in a meeting. All he wants is sanctioned relief, and he's not getting it. If Donald Trump were to slowly start peeling off sanctions during these during these uh, negotiations and he's not getting anything in return, you've got a legitimate reason to criticize this president. But he's not. He's leaving them in place. And in a lot of cases, he's adding more to it. 
He's not going to relieve these sanctions until we see some return on our investment of being nice. You got to show us that you're serious about denuclearization, and then we in turn will be happy to help you out. But until that day comes, you ain't get nothing, cuz. And they don't know. They they do. I, I was gonna say they don't understand that. They do understand that, and it's why they never bring that part up when they talk about this. They just continue to talk about how he cozies up to dictators. Jim Acosta, same thing, and he used Saudi Arabia in this example too. He uh, this was before the meeting with Kim Jong Un, I believe. I may be mistaken, but he held a press conference at the G20. And your favorite investigative journalist, Jim Acosta, raised his hand. Donald Trump, the fair guy that he is, decides to take Jim Acosta's question. Because Jim Acosta needs some love, too. So he does that, and here is how, uh, here's how that interaction went down between those two. Jim. Yes, Mr. President, if I could follow up on the question about uh, your comments uh, with Vladimir Putin about sure. Russian meddling. Uh, you did seem to be joking there uh, with the Russian president. Are we taking that to be wrong? And no. what is it with your coziness with some of these dictators and autocrats at these summits? Uh, with Mohammed bin Salman, the, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, when you were asked about the case of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, you did not respond to that question in front of the, the Saudi I don't know conference. that anybody were asked me. Afraid of, uh, are yeah. you, were you afraid of offending him on that subject? No, not at all. I don't really care about offending people. I sort of thought you'd know that. <laughs> uh, well, you passed up an opportunity and there. And by the way, congratulations. I understand your book. Is it doing well? It's doing very well, Mr. President. Really? Thank you. I'll, I'll get you an autographed oh, copy. Good. If you like Send it. I want to see it. I yes, do. sir. Yes. Send me a copy. Uh, no, uh, I get along with everybody. Except you people, actually. I get along. <laughs> He's like, well, I, I have no problem with criticizing people. Jim, you should know that better than anybody. <laughs> and then he says, I can get along with everybody except for you people. So there's no surprise that I get along with these guys. What's well, the big deal? The funniest part of that is the fact that he said, hey, how's your book doing? And Jim Acosta, he, who put out a new book, you probably don't know about it because nobody's talking about it, surprisingly. He um he says, How's your book doing? He says, Oh, it's doing fantastic and he with he goes with this surprised Oh really? You know why he said, Oh really? It's because uh Acosta's book currently ranks number four hundred and seventy two on the bestseller charts. <laughs> He's at number four seventy two. But according to Jim Acosta, it's uh it's going great. Book sales are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Everybody hates your guts. Nobody nobody likes you. Because, you know why nobody likes Jim Acosta? It's not because he's anti-Trump. It's not because he has tough questions. It's because Jim Acosta is about Jim Acosta. And that will build resentment from his uh, colleagues in, in the media when he makes his job all about him. All about him being a victim. That's exactly what he does. That's why nobody's talking about that book as well. Um, when 
Trump and Kim Jong-un made their way, again, they walked across the border into North Korea, did a little photo op, and that's all that was, because it wasn't like he took him on a tour of the country. He brought him over to the other side in, in sort of a show of, um, I, I don't know, a, a show of progress or a show of willingness to progress in these negotiations. That's, that's what I saw it as. They go over there, they shake hands, do a little photo op, they come back over on the North, uh, the South Korean side, and they sit down, they hold the, uh, an interview, uh, a, a little sit-down press conference, and I don't know if this was before or after their meeting. They hold a 40-minute meeting, and then they go on their way. Trump is asked after the fact, hey, uh, how did that go? He said, it went very well. Did you relieve any sanctions for North Korea? <laughs> no. I did not relieve any sanctions because we haven't gotten anything in return, so don't expect us to relieve any sanctions. Maybe at some point during the negotiations we will, but we're not going to do it for free. We're not going to do it just because I like the guy and I want to work with the guy and I want to make the world a safer place. Relieving sanctions is not going to do that, and that's priority number one. But they don't get that. The media doesn't get that. The Democrats don't get that. The American people do. The American people see history being made. They see a president that is actively working to make this world a safer place when presidents of the past did absolutely nothing. Did nothing at all. If anything, they made it easier for these countries to garner nuclear weapons. They made it easier for these dictators and these regimes to harm the citizens of the world. Outside of that, uh, this hasn't really been a whole... There there hasn't been a whole lot of news on this, but you know, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she is out as press secretary, and they have named the new press secretary which is Stephanie Grisham. Did I get her name right? Uh, Stephanie Grisham was the press secretary for Melania Trump. Okay, and had done a, done a fantastic job. You've you've heard her in the past where she's you know condemned people for taking shots at the at the first lady and just being derogatory. So she's good at what she does. How she will do in the role of the White House press secretary, because that's a much different animal, is yet to be seen, but we will find out. She did show, however, there in North Korea and South Korea at the DMZ, that she is willing to hold her ground. Because once they get into the building on the South Korean side, and Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump go back to have their little meeting, the North... or I'm sorry... It was the North and the South Koreans. I'm not sure how the mix was there. But the Korean press was not allowing the American press to get back there and cover the events that were unfolding. So Stephanie Grisham, the new White House press secretary, goes over and pushes the <laughs> this uh, these Korean security or media guys out of the way and yells for the American press to hurry up and come through as she created an opening. Now, apparently, she got roughed up a bit 
sustained a couple of bruises, but nothing serious. But I think it's a good sign that in her role as White House Press Secretary, she's going to be a little feisty. And that's what we want. That's why we didn't want to let Sarah Huckabee Sanders go, because she was so feisty. We love that. This lady, from our first impressions, in her first days as White House Press Secretary, seems to be a good sign. We'll see where that goes. I don't know how the construct of, of, of press briefings are going to go. I don't know how that whole thing's going to work out, how often they're going to be, if they're going to be any at all. We'll see. I hope there are. I personally love those things. I know it's a hassle for the White House. I know it's a hassle for the, the, the press secretary. But wow, that is entertainment right there. So that's kind of what went down on Saturday night. If you missed it in the wee hours of the morning, and that will be talked about for days to come. And actually, tonight, you will, if you're watching Fox News at 7 p.m. Central Time, Tucker Carlson will be conducting an interview with Trump while they were in North Korea and kind of asking him about how the G20 went. And I assume this interview was conducted after the meeting with Kim Jong-un, so he's going to talk about that meeting, how that went. It'll be something to watch for sure. I feel like Tucker Carlson could put on a good interview, and it'll be interesting to hear straight from Donald Trump what exactly happened, what went down, and how he feels about the whole thing. Another notable piece, and I heard this this morning, uh, Tucker Carlson apparently got in pretty close proximity of Kim Jong-un during that whole thing. And he described Kim Jong-un as, yes, a very reserved guy, but a guy he viewed as in very poor health. He said he was wheezing, and he seemed out of breath, and, and lethargic, and all this stuff, and he just seemed like a generally unhealthy guy. Now, chances are that's probably just because he's in his early 30s and overweight. I know this. I know how that is. Sometimes you wheeze. Sometimes you sweat. Sometimes you get out of breath. It happens. But there's no telling how much larger those medical problems could be. Not that that would be a good thing or a bad thing, because if Kim Jong-un kicks the bucket, it's not like the next guy in line, whoever that may be, would be any better. It'd be good if we could keep Kim Jong-un alive since we've already got these negotiations going. But that's neither here nor there. Let's hope the, the North Korea healthcare system can uh, keep him afloat. We'll see. Uh, oh, there's one more thing. There apparently, and I just saw this, there was a mysterious UFO spotted over the Korea DMZ hours after Trump's historic visit with Kim Jong-un. A UFO. And I have not seen photos of this, but they show on a map where exactly that was. Yeah, I don't I don't have any photos of it, so apparently they just uh they just saw it and reported on it. Ah man, I hate that I don't have pictures. I wanna see this. But see that was so historic, this is my point. Such a historic meeting that even the aliens had to see it as well. They had to show up. They're like, whoa, this is a big deal. Even we, we got to see what's going on here. 
So uh, that's what all went down at the DMZ. Exciting, exciting stuff, no doubt about it. And there'll be more to come on that front as they plan more summits and all that jazz. There was another thing, uh, and this goes back, actually, uh, this is at the G20. But this goes back to Jim Acosta's question to Donald Trump. He asked him uh, about cozying up to dictators. One thing he was referring to was a meeting between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin at the G20. And they were sitting together and they, they kind of took some questions from the press or whatever. And they're sitting there kind of chatting back and forth. One reporter asks the age-old question, Mr. President! Are you going to tell Russia not to meddle in the 2020 election? Being asked that question a bazillion times, and having told Vladimir Putin that a, a billion times, he leans over and he says, Please, please don't interfere in our election in 2020. <laughs> Just very nonchalant. And Vladimir Putin obviously smiles. But the point of that was... To mock the media, who knows him saying that to Vladimir Putin right there in front of them, it means nothing. It means it, it means nothing more than the other 500 times he's told this to Vladimir Putin. So he's like, please, please, just don't interfere in our election. They lost it. Absolutely lost their lids over the fact that the president was joking about Russian interference in the election. He doesn't even care if Russia interferes. Really? <laughs> really? He's making fun of y'all, and y'all don't even realize it. Anyway, that was another notable thing from the G20 that you'll probably see on news cycles uh, or, or as clips on the news over the week. That was funny, though. I, I found that absolutely hilarious. Uh, moving on to, who do we got? Oh, also at the G20, Ivanka Trump. There was a video that came out, and I don't know if this audio is even worth playing. Let me look. She was speaking with Theresa May. I believe Justin Trudeau is also uh, in this group that are talking back and forth. Mm, let me try this out, see if this works. This may not even be the right clip, uh, and it, again, may not be worth even playing, but this is Ivanka Trump, uh, Trudeau, Macron, Theresa May, and one of the other world leaders. I'm not exactly sure who this other lady is, but here is the audio from that, if you can comprehend it. As soon as you talk on that economic aspect of it, though, yeah. a lot of people start listening who yeah. wouldn't otherwise listening. listen. And the same with the defense side of it, yeah. um, in terms of the whole sort of business. It's been very male-dominant. So. She says something about something, uh, some field being very male-dominated. Anyway. The left loses it because she's talking to these other world leaders in a uh, in a diplomatic capacity is what it seems like to everybody. That she's kind of leveraging some sort of foreign policy and trying to talk up our allies or whatever. And that there's no context to this video, first of all. So it's not like she's there conducting foreign policy. 
It's not like she's there making policy for the rest of the country. She's just chatting it up with the people. She She's probably chatting it up about economic things, things going on around the world, stuff that they have in common. Being allies. That's all that's going on. But everybody on the left loses it. They lose it because they can't stand the thought of a successful woman who has built businesses and has made her way to the pinnacle of being in the White House and not being on their team. They can't stand it. They can't stand when there's uh, Hispanic people that aren't like them. They can't stand when there's gay people that don't think like them and does not subscribe to their ideologies. They can't stand when African Americans don't subscribe to their ideologies. If you're not on their plantation and you're in the group that they feel that they own, they hate you. They hate you more than the average white male, redneck, Alabamian, Bible-thumping, gun-owner, Trump supporter. They hate you more than they hate those people. And they hate those people a lot. People like me, people like you, they hate you all a lot. But they hate black people. They hate gay people. They hate Mexicans. They hate women that go against their ideology even more. There's nobody they hate more than that because they feel like they're a traitor. They feel as if they've escaped their plantation and the only way to seek justice for them escaping the plantation is to completely take them down. So our first example will be Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who absolutely got wrecked on Twitter. Wrecked. Here's what she sent out after seeing the video of Ivanka Trump. She said, It may be shocking to some, but being someone's daughter actually isn't a career qualification. It hurts our diplomatic standing when the president phones it in and the world moves on. The U.S. needs our president working the G20, Bring a qualified diplomat couldn't hurt either. So what is she saying? She's saying that it is absurd that Ivanka Trump would be brought to the G20 and be allowed to discuss diplomatic issues with our allies and other members of the G20. It is absurd. Because she is not qualified in any capacity. Ivanka Trump is not qualified to be conducting any sort of business in that manner. Twitter was not too kind to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Because people like Piers Morgan simply replied, It could be worse. Ivanka could have been a bartender 18 months ago. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the chick that had no experience in politics, no congressional experience, really didn't even know how government worked, gets a job representing the United States of America in the House of Representatives. She was a bartender who couldn't even afford to move to Washington, D.C., when she was elected, elected with 
4% of the vote, by the way, because nobody showed up for that election. Now she's getting wrecked in the polls. Has the audacity to call somebody else unqualified. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I don't fault her for sending that tweet, not thinking it through, because she doesn't think through anything. She doesn't think through anything. Nothing that comes out of her mouth has gone through any sort of process to make sure it doesn't sound completely stupid. Some of the other tweets, this is Rich, a woman who was a bartender, degrades a woman who had a thriving career prior to joining the Office of Economic uh, Initiatives. Ivanka's initiatives created millions of opportunities for workers by legislative and administrative action. How many jobs did AOC initiate? Negative 25,000 when she ran off Amazon. Another one, but somehow beer. Serving beer is a qualification to have a career in politics. How about that? Carol Ross said, well, if anyone would know about getting a job with lack of qualifications, it would be AOC. Again, Twitter was not very nice to AOC whatsoever. It turned it turned out bad. And it turned out bad very, very quickly. I almost feel bad for her in a sense because, I mean, you kind of wish... Okay, maybe I don't feel bad for her. I actually thoroughly enjoy when she does this to herself. <laughs> it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. And what we're going to do is I'm going to talk some presidential candidates on the Democrat side. As two debates were conducted at the end of last week, I'm sure you watched them and you enjoyed every bit of them. By the way, did anybody notice any watch parties that went down for those debates? We had that going on in 2016. I didn't really see anybody talking about this. The Democrat voter base is so unexcited about these candidates. It's absolutely precious. We'll talk about it on the other side. Overthelineshow.com. You can go to the website and actually subscribe for our newsletter. We're about to start firing off some newsletters for you guys to let you know what's going on when and any other important information you need to know. We're going to hook you up. You can also listen to the latest episode of Over the Line there. Although it is easier just to go to any of the podcast apps like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and whatever else we're on. Y'all know. Y'all know better than I do. Back after this.
All right, I want to talk to the guys for a second. Weddings can be super stressful, as you know, not because you're worried about everything being important. You're worried about your future wife keeping her sanity. Not if you listen. All you have to do is make sure you are looking fly. That's why I'm going to send you to the Black Tux. The Black Tux is a place that has an easy online ordering process that makes sure you get in the right suit. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and the quality before you commit. And if online ordering isn't your style, they have showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they're going to ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it and make sure it's the right one. After that, you're good to go, cuzzy. It's smooth sailing from there. So here's what I want you to do. Go to theblacktux.com slash listen. That's theblacktux.com slash listen. And they're going to give you $20 off your purchase just for listening to this podcast. Get over to theblacktux.com. Make sure you put that slash listen so they'll know you heard this on Over the Line and you're going to get that $20 off. Make sure you've got the right tux for you and your crew. Again, all you have to do is worry about looking fly. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. These guys are going to hook you up and they're proud sponsors of this show. The guys at the Black Tux can't keep you married, but they can make sure your wife is happy at least through the honeymoon. That's theblacktux.com slash listen. $20 off. Go check it out now. Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, contact me, Andrew, at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. Over the Line Show, OverTheLineShow.com. Thank y'all for hanging out with me on this uh, impromptu edition. We normally don't do this in the middle of the day like this, but the opportunity presented itself, so here we are. Boom. Here we are, just like that. No no warning, no nothing. We didn't even give y'all a heads up, so uh, that's that's my apologies. Also, something we're learning when we do this in the middle of the day... Um, it's 
extremely hot outside and that obviously causes it to be an oven on the inside so we've got acs and fans and all that kind of stuff running so you probably hear a little bit of that in the background just ignore it if you would thank you and have a nice day um tomorrow tomorrow from 10 to 12 central time if uh if you're listening to the radio you may hear my voice on 99.5 i will be there uh filling in from 10 to 12 so make sure you check that out if you're not in the area where you can pick that up you can always listen on talk995.com or if you have the TuneIn radio app. And actually, this is much easier, in my opinion, than going to the website and listening, which if you want to listen on the backside, if you miss it, you can, you can go to the talk995.com and listen to the playback of it on their podcast section. Go to the TuneIn app, search Talk995, and you can listen to it from that app. It's much easier, uh, and that's that's the way I listen to it if I'm not in the area where I can pick it up on the radio. So y'all make sure and check me out there. Should be a good time. I'm excited. You should be excited as well. We'll all be excited together. How about that? It'll be an exciting time. Let's move on to Democrat candidates that are jockeying for position to reach the top of this very lame field of candidates i'm telling y'all and and this is this is not a prediction of what's going to happen in 2020 because as we say time and time again anything could happen between now and then but on its surface as we look at the democrat field this is the lamest group of candidates that we could possibly muster out of the democrat party really you've got people like bernie sanders who was absolutely on fire during the last election and could have possibly given the democrats the white house had they not already handpicked hillary to be the nominee bernie sanders has hemorrhaged support he's not even raising money like he used to he's on twitter begging for money now ironically saying, my other candidates, my opponents, are raising millions of dollars from special interest and billionaire companies. I need your help. I need you to pledge $36 to my campaign so we can continue going. Bernie Sanders is not going to last. People were excited about him last time, and now all of a sudden, and I don't know what the shift change was. I don't know if it's just the repetitiveness of of his policy proposals or just wearing them down or what it is, but people that were adamant about Bernie last time have kind of just backed off and said, you know what, it's time for somebody else. Bernie's old, we've got these new, younger, fresh faces on the stage. Let's try to sift through some of those guys and go that route. Problem is, when you move over there, everybody is absolutely out of their mind to try to out-liberal each other. And what that does is that takes the entire field and takes them far, far left. The moderators, during the two debates, during the, I guess this was the second debate, who are pro-Democrat, they want a Democrat to win. They don't want to see a second term of, of Donald Trump. There's no doubt about it. They put out the question, and if, if they didn't want Donald Trump to win again, I don't know why they would ask this question. They said, 
All right, for everyone on the stage, raise your hand if you are in support of providing health insurance on the taxpayer dime to undocumented, what do they call them? Undocumented immigrants in this country, illegal aliens. Raise your hand if you are in favor of providing health insurance for illegal aliens in this country. Every one of them, including Joe Biden, raised their hand. The people of Wisconsin that work in factories are not going to go for that. The people, the hard-working blue-collar people of Indiana are not going to go for that. The people of Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia are not going to go for that. Yet, they continue to go far left. Now, here's what they'll do. And you already see some of them back off. Kamala Harris is one. She's like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's an important discussion to have if we should provide health insurance to, to illegal immigrants. But they think. They think that they can be just as liberal as they can possibly be during these primaries and then start moving back towards the center when they get to the general election. The problem is, is when they get to the general election, they've got a guy they're facing that pulls no punches and will on a daily basis remind the country of what they said during those primaries. They will remind the country that they said... They want abortions on demand. They said they want to provide free health insurance for illegal immigrants. They said they want to decriminalize the act of illegally crossing the border. He'll remind them every single day of that. They're not going to be able to move back towards the center. They're not, they're not going to be able to do it. And so they're scrambling. They're scrambling to figure out how they can ease back into the moderate left in time for the general election. But the problem is, is they're so far left, that's a long trip back to the center. And I don't think they've got time to do it. And that is dividing the Democrat Party and keeping people from getting excited about it. Their platform are extreme policies and I hate Donald Trump. He's so dangerous for this country. The Donald Trump is the biggest national security threat to this country. That works in the beginning. When Donald Trump's first elected to use the scare tactics of telling people the world, the, the country, it's coming to an end because Donald Trump is president, that works. That may even work for the first six months to a year. But once you get two and three and four years in, and nothing has happened, and actually things have only gotten better, that argument doesn't work anymore. But Democrats don't realize it. They go off the farm with some of the things they accuse this president of. Kamala Harris, they were having um, uh, Pride Day in um, uh, San Francisco, I guess, over the weekend, and she was there speaking to some of the participants. And she this chick goes all out and says something along the lines of uh, Donald Trump is going to take us back to a time before gay marriage. If there's any, 
if there's any stance Donald Trump has that should line up with the left, it's the fact that he wants to leave the the legalization of gay marriage in place. He's like, I, I don't, I'm not messing with that. What's the point? Just let it go. People want to get married, whatever. But yet Kamala Harris seems to think because she's pandering that Donald Trump is going to reban gay marriage. Tell all the gay people Donald Trump is going to reban marriage. For you a little bit of what she said when it comes to her history with the LGBT community as well as the contrast with President Donald Trump. The current occupant of the White House has no appreciation, probably no, no interest clearly, and probably no knowledge of this history, of this work. He says he wants to make America great again. Again for whom? Back before couples could marry, all couples? Back before gay couples could adopt? Well, I'm running for president. Because we're not going... Oh, are you? You're running for president? I hadn't heard that one. Why does she always sound like she's on the verge of crying? Well, he wants to make America great again. I know that's a bad impression. Make America... And she's got this nasally... Make America great again for who? For the for the straight white people that hate the homos? <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, oh, it's so bad. This entire field is a train wreck. Now, there's one candidate that um, that Republicans are actually donating to. There's this campaign on Twitter to donate money to. Oh, what's her name? It's that Williamson lady. Anybody remember her name? Let me see if I can find some highlights of her at the uh, at the debate. Anyway, she's the, she she's kind of got the whole sounding like she's about to burst into tears too, but she's very animated, and she's very um, I don't know how to describe it. I'm just gonna let you listen to this chick because. It's almost unbelievable. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people, and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So, Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me, please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes, and... I want you to hear me, please. Marianne Williamson is this chick's name, by the way. Only love can cast that out. John Kennedy said, by the end of this decade, we are going to put a man on the moon. Because John Kennedy was back in the day when politics included the people, and included imagination, and included great dreams, and included great plans. And I have had a career not making the political plans, but I have had a career harnessing the inspiration and the motivation and the excitement of people, masses of people, when we know that when we say we are going to turn from a dirty economy to a clean economy, we're going to have a Green New Deal, we're going to create millions of jobs, we're going to do this within the next 12 years, because I'm not interested in just winning the next election. First call is to Prime Minister of New Zealand, who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. <laughs> it's like, I love the music behind it, but this is like uh, what you would imagine a... Man, I deal with people on a regular basis like this. I'm thinking of how to describe them. Like you bring in a guest to a third grade or second grade class to, for story time. She reads a story. I'm thinking librarian, but no. 
It's just one of these really soft-spoken yet animated uh, little old ladies. But this lady, it looks like she's about to explode with excitement or nervousness or something. Because she's literally shaking and she's doing this. But she's all about the love and she's all about talking. She doesn't shut up very often. And I will tell a girlfriend you were so on because the United States of America is Let me tell you, girl. going Bang. to be the best place in the world for a child to grow up. One of my first phone calls would be to call the European leaders and say, we're back. I'll tell you one thing. It's really nice if we got all these plans, but if you think we're going to beat Donald Trump by just having all these plans, you got another thing coming. Because he didn't win by saying he had a plan. He won by simply saying, make America great again. We've got to get deeper than just these superficial fixes, as important as they are. Even if we're just talking about the superficial fixes, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a health care system in the United States. We have a sickness care system in the United States. We just wait till somebody gets sick, and then we talk about who's going to pay for the treatment so my favorite part is we're not gonna win with all these plans because donald trump didn't win with a plan he didn't win with a plan like building a wall he didn't win with a plan of making sure other countries aren't screwing us over on tariffs and and imported goods he didn't win with a plan of stopping terrorism or being tough on iran he just won with saying to make america great again i sir i have a feeling you know what you're doing I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field, and sir, love will win. Love. <laughs> this lady's bizarre. But I, I, I think it's a good idea to start donating to her campaign. Everybody on Twitter, uh, conservatives uh, around the country are donating $1 apiece to this lady so she can stay on the debate stage just for the entertainment value. And, uh, and I think it's a good idea because you put the other guys in the position, the, the white males on the stage, if you will, Joe Biden, Beto, um, uh, de Blasio, whoever the other white guys are, where they can't go after this lady because she's a woman. You can't attack her. The left has made so many rules for themselves that it makes it impossible for them to conduct their business like run for president <laughs> because they've got all these rules and they they break their own rules if they're going to do it right if they're going to do it in a way that's actually going to help them win they have to break their rules and then it gets them in trouble next thing you know joe biden's a racist <laughs> joe biden's a racist <laughs> so good i love it i love this this is so much fun this is the same no, it's not the same but it, in the overview of it all, the Republican Party was conducting itself in the same fashion to where it was all this infighting and the, and the party was in shambles. And you remember all the talks of the Republican Party is not going to survive this election. It's never going to work. They're never going to be able to piece this party back together. It's the end of the Republicans as we know it. And now, and now the... The, the president has a 97% approval rating from Republicans, and the Democrat Party is the one in shambles. It doesn't get any better than that. You can't beat it, cuzzy. It's good stuff. And speaking of Kamala Harris, let me do this real quick. I posted this on the Over the Line page, if I can find it. I want to play it for you. It, was, it wasn't from this past time. I think it was actually two years ago. It was into Donald Trump's 
around the, I guess it was probably eight months into his presidency, it was the first Pride Week of his presidency, right? So I guess like six, seven months. A guy named Fleckus, who does a lot of uh, videos on YouTube and stuff, he's actually really good. He goes around and he talks to uh, protesters at these anti-Trump rallies and stuff and asks them questions uh, about Trump and why they want to impeach him and stuff like that. You know, you've seen videos like that before. I thought this one was incredibly entertaining, so let me play that for you real quick. Again, this is from July 9th. 2017 so this is not new but i just feel in honor of us uh just leaving pride month which we just did it was the month of june it, today is what june 1st july 1st so pride month is over so in honor of pride month here's this second one all right here we go Hey guys, it's Fleckus. We're out here at the impeachment rally, March protests thing, uh, downtown LA. People want Trump and Pence to go. Let's find out where. Fleckus talks. So I just bought this, and it's like, you know, I'm here. We are here to change the world, you know, and to be the change we want to see in the world. These people have never been told no in their life. Um, mommy and daddy have just paved the way for them to become adult versions of babies. They're just adult babies. This is my little maraca that I use. Love Trump's hate. I don't support any president. They're all puppets. Who did you vote for? Nobody. Who do you think is better than Trump? Nobody. Do you want any government at all? We the people, baby. All right, let's see how that works. But I do find myself, uh, every time I see him on TV, my middle finger goes up. It's just an automatic response. You know, it's better th than this, you know, which I guess people in, in middle America are doing. You know, who am I here with? Uh, it's Sabo. Sabo, nice to meet you, man. Well, what are we doing here today? I'm trying to get laid. And the hat lights up. I made the hat. Very cool. Hat lights up, made the hat? Yeah, the, the hat lights up. There's a couple of lights on it, so if we're partying into the night or it gets dark. I'm also Native American. Who do you think the leaders of the Democratic Party are right now? I'd say Elizabeth Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders. What do you think of Bernie's investigation? His investigation? They're investigating Bernie, the FBI is. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not as informed on that as I ought to be. I was originally a Bernie supporter, but it's essentially I was trying to avoid the worst choice. What do you think about Bernie getting investigated right now? I have not heard anything about that. Well, you couldn't get behind Hillary? <laughs> um, not, not exactly. I know it, was, it was a tough call, so I went for Bernie and Jimmy Kimmel. She, she had her issues, and I don't think she was in it for the right reasons, and I don't really, yeah, like longer, bigger picture, she made a lot of money as a public servant, and it's kind of sketchy when people make money in right. politics. Right, but you know, I mean, the planet's turning a corner. The corner just got bigger. I don't know if I'll still be in this body when it turns the corner into the golden age, but as far as, you know, what people who've seen the future, we do make it, it is going to happen. And this is my last time here on planet Earth, and I might visit, but I am done. I've broken the cycle of birth and death, and it's like a lot of us are waking up, not just politically, but spiritually, and to who we are and where we're from, and like I'm a starseed from, you know, another place. But it, it's it's common. And how can people in Mid America, Middle America, just sit there and eat their Cheetos and just agree? I, I'm like, huh? I mean, if you which crime though are you talking about for him to be impeached? Oh, gosh. I would say obstruction of justice. Where'd you see that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Where? Uh, in which situation? Oh, with, uh, with the, the FBI director. I don't understand how you can still be out here, you know, protesting for impeachment 
and saying you want him to be impeached and saying that Russia's involved. I mean, you know, you watch the Comey hearing and he blatantly said that there was no involvement with Russia at all. Well, what do you think when uh, Comey spoke under oath and he spoke about Russia and how it wasn't really a big, a real big thing? Oh, gosh. You know, I think I was working that day. Do um, you think Russia's an issue? I think it's a big issue. Yeah. Where are you seeing the ties and where are you seeing the problems with Trump and Russia? I see that he's giving them information that he shouldn't be. Uh, where do you see that? On, on the news. Which information are you talking about? Um, the information that he gave that the... Um, uh, what do we want to impeach Trump for? Corruption, collusion with the enemy. Which enemy? Russia, of course. I mean, it's so obvious. So the news is saying Russia isn't real. After, the, after, the, after Fox broadcast their erroneous nonsense, they just move on. But this, the story that they were pushing, the Russia story, they said it pretty much isn't non-existent. No, that's Fox's take on it. That's not the truth. Did you hear about the CNN stuff that came out, though, that was all about how Russia's a made-up story? And then did you hear about the 17 agencies was actually only three? It was all from the Obama administration? They're not working for the government anymore? Uh, yeah, I heard something about it this morning. But basically, Trump is a danger not only to the country, but to the world. Oh, it's an interesting turn of, turnabout that then now they try and claim, like, oh, well, it's all just fake news. I, I think you know that's not true. What did you think of the videos that came out of CNN this week that show that Russia is basically like a rating story and they're kind of pushing that narrative? Well, just because it's a rating story doesn't mean there's not truth to it. You know, the people... Dan Jones called it a nothing burger. Uh, it's not a nothing burger. Communism is not trending. I feel like these people are just miserable. And <laughs> There's so many of these people out here. It's, it's insane. My favorite, though, is the guy that's like, Oh, uh, I don't have any opinions on this stuff. I'm just here to get laid. <laughs> I was the most honest person out of that whole group. He's like, listen, dude. I don't want to talk about politics. I'm just here to pick up women. A lot of those crazies, though, um, they not only go out and protest, but they go and protest with the intent on committing violence, such as your dear friends of Antifa. Over the weekend, or I guess the end of last week, I'm not sure what day this happened, uh, apparently... Antifa Antifa attacked a uh, a conservative journalist. Now let me see. This guy's name is uh, Andy No Andy N G O. However you pronounce that, we'll just call him Andy. Andy uh, was attacked so bad by Antifa, it landed him in the hospital, and. The media, the mainstream media, seemed to not really care all that much about it. Seems like it would be a big deal since it was a member of the media. The problem is Andy is from Quillette, the publication Quillette, which is very pro-free speech. They do a lot of reporting on things that pertain to free speech in this country and, and defending free speech. He was attacked, put in the hospital, beaten and bloodied by the Antifa thugs, and the mainstream media didn't have a whole lot to say about it. Now, that makes 15 assaults on journalists just recently. Let's see if I can find um, 
I don't have a time frame of when that's happened, but even if it's all time, 15 journalists have been assaulted by Antifa. That is 15 more assaults than assaults that have come to fruition because of Donald Trump. Because remember, Donald Trump is supposed to be the biggest threat to journalists. He's constantly putting them in danger with the things he says, right? But when the media addresses Antifa, and these are actual terms that they've used, they say things like Antifa fights for a good cause. They say things like Antifa's fight is right. Antifa's punches are more equally moral than others. Antifa is on the side of right. Antifa is right because sometimes you can't fight by praising them or being nice to them. you got to fight fire with fire. Antifa is as heroic as the American soldiers who stormed the beaches on D-Day. That's right. Antifa harassing Ted Cruz and his wife out of a restaurant is, quote, what he signed up for. And also, last but not least, criticism of Antifa is racist. That's right. If you criticize Antifa, you are racist, even though I have yet to see a non-white member of Antifa in all the videos I've seen of these scumbags. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking at... Uh, the names of some of these journalists that have been assaulted by Antifa. Keith Campbell. Uh, a photojournalist from CBS. Taylor Lorenz. A female reporter. Another journalist shoved and robbed by Antifa in San Francisco in August of 2017. Andrew Bolt, who was a uh, Herald Sun columnist. Luke Rutkowski, Marcus J. DiPola, beaten by Antifa in July of 2017, Max Bachman. You've got uh, cameraman, NBC News crew, uh, plenty of them. There's a whole list, whole list of journalists that have actually been violently attacked by Antifa, yet the mainstream media... They don't seem to care about that threat to their journalists. It's funny because Brian Stelter of CNN, he actually brought it up. He brought this, this Andy guy up and the fact that he had been so violently assaulted by Antifa over the weekend. And he did it. He did it right as they were going to a commercial break and did like a little 20-second blurb on it right up against the break, so then his guests that are sitting there with him on the panel couldn't elaborate on it, and they wouldn't have to stretch the conversation out. He did it right there so he could say, oh, I said it. I said that it's not acceptable, but it took him about 20 seconds, and he never mentioned it again. Here's this condemnation from CNN and Brian Stelter on CNN. Such a brave man. 
One more important story uh, that you need to know about before we take a break. Uh, this is a protest that turned violent against a member of the media in Portland, Oregon this weekend. Uh, conservative journalist Andy No was out there covering rival protests on Saturday, Antifa on one side, right-wing figures on the other side. But as the demonstrations clashed, uh, protesters, uh, it appears to be Antifa protesters, uh, then attacked No. Uh, he's been out there in the past. He's been covering protests in Portland for quite some time. Uh, his critics say he's there to, to cause trouble. But that's unacceptable. Uh, the idea that he would be attacked, that he would be uh, bloodied in that way, uh, unacceptable, period. Uh, and it's important uh, that everyone make that clear, uh, even left-wing critics who don't like him and, and things like that. Now let's go to break and never talk about that again. Uh, notice when he brings that up, he has to say, uh, Andy No is a conservative journalist. So let's make that clear. So obviously by him being conservative, uh, just his mere presence really instigates violence. And then when he goes on to talk about the protest itself in this little 40-second blurb, he has to make sure and mention it was Antifa on one side and extreme right protesters on the other side. To make it seem as if Antifa, they weren't the instigators. That it, there were protesters from the right there as well, and that's really, in honesty, what, uh, what instigated this whole thing. We don't want you guys to really think Antifa is a bad guy or anything. There's no hiding the, the, the admiration that CNN in particular has for Antifa because it's come out of the mouth of people like Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo already. They've literally praised Antifa. They've defended Antifa saying, you know what? They're just, they're doing what's right. They're fighting hate. They're, they're, they're freedom fighters fighting against hate. They're doing the right thing. They've literally said these things. And Antifa takes that and they continue to run roughshod over innocent people, literally harming people. And it's something we've talked about in the past. Antifa justifies their attacks on people because they view speech that they don't approve, speech that they find offensive or speech they don't agree with, they view that as an act of violence. So when they commit their acts of violence, it's not unprovoked. It's not, you know, it's not violence that's coming out of nowhere. It's self-defense. It's the way they view it. They view it as self-defense. Because somebody attacked them with words and opinions that aren't like theirs. It's really amazing. Really amazing. And the downplaying of this attack will continue on CNN if they even bring it up again. It doesn't fit their narrative, so they don't bring it up. And people say, well, Andrew, Fox News does the same thing. Actually, and I'm no defender of Fox News, but Fox News is more fair and balanced than all the other ones put together. You just look at the people that they bring on, the, the, the people they put on their panels, they, they're constantly bringing on people that are from the Obama administration or that vehemently disagree with them on any particular topic, and they fight it out. On CNN, they'll be like, 
Well, we're going to now bring in Republican strategist Ann Navarro, who is a devout Republican, been a Republican her entire life, and then the person goes on to start trashing Trump. They bring on fake Republicans. No business. They, they have no business in telling the truth. Or reporting anything fair and objective. Y'all know this. I ain't got a harp on it. But it's just funny to me that these guys are even attempting to put it out there that they condemned Antifa that one time, right before commercial break. Nobody probably even heard it, but we, we said it. We said it. So remember that. And the problem with that is, is it gives Antifa the green light. The cities that refuse to shut Antifa down, that refuse to send police out to these protests, when Antifa starts attacking people, it promotes their cause. It gives them the green light to continue to do what they're doing. However, the FBI has gotten involved on a couple of issues, and they're really going to have to just get involved every time these guys hit the streets, since these local governments aren't going to do what they're supposed to do to protect their own citizens. The FBI is currently investigating a plot where Antifa was attempting to buy guns from the cartel for an armed rebellion. Antifa thugs that are attacking people with baseball bats and throwing objects and lead pipes and pepper spray and whatever else are literally looking to purchase firearms from the cartel to commit more violence. Now, I've got a feeling that if they go to the wrong city and try to start this armed rebellion, it's not going to vote well for them. There's a reason you don't see Antifa protesting in places like Alabama or Mississippi or Georgia or Texas. You don't see any Antifa protests there because it would last approximately three minutes. And you'd have a bunch of dead Antifa people laying on the pavement. Filled with bullet holes. They do it in Portland. They do it in Seattle. They do it in, in, in Baltimore or New York. They don't do it in the South. Because they'll get their wigs split. Real fast. And if they think they're going to be able to buy guns and start an armed rebellion... They're only going to get so far with that. So you have to wonder, when are these cities going to step up? Now that they know, now that they know Antifa is trying to arm themselves to the teeth with assault weapons, when are they going to put a stop to it? Are they going to continue to let them go on and assault innocent people? What happens when they show up at these protests and they mow down 50, 100 people? Just killing people at random because of what they believe, because of what they say, because, of the, because they exercise, they have the audacity to exercise their free speech. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Over to another story. This one out of Utah. Uh, you've seen it in the headlines already. It is a University of... Utah student Mackenzie Luke, who 
had gone missing and turned out to be murdered by a guy that she somewhat knew or she had been texting with. Apparently, she went on a trip to her grandmother's funeral. And when she got back, she got to the airport. She took a, a lift ride over to a park, apparently, and then got out of the lift and got in this dude's car. Next thing you know, nobody's seen her again. Police investigate. The, the investigation brings them to this Nigerian native, brings him to his home, and then they find burned items in his backyard. Turns out they find human tissue that belongs to this young lady, as well as some of her belongings. And the details of, of this, uh, this murder have been absolutely, absolutely horrifying. Now, there's not enough details to know why she got in the dude's car, what their relationship was, how she knew him. But as police release more and more details of this thing, it gets more bizarre by the minute. So, first of all, the first tips came in, I believe, when neighbors of this guy, whose name is Ayula Adisa Ajayi, that's the best I can pronounce it, when they started to smell a strong odor of gas and other uh, uh, rancid smells in the neighborhood and then saw that he was burning a bunch of stuff in his backyard, apparently burning, I guess, the remains of this young lady. Then we find out that he was working with a contractor or some sort of um, renovation company to build a sort of soundproof torture chamber in his basement. Absolutely bizarre. Now, this guy, first of all, it's important to know that this guy came here to the U.S. on a student visa, which should give us enough pause to be able to say, we need to revisit that issue. We need to see what we can do about that and making sure we're not allowing bad people to come over here and ultimately do things like this. But as far as this room that he was trying to get built, and this will be very important in their investigation, uh, contractor Brian Wolf, who came forward and talked to police, he said that this accused killer, who's 31 years old, tried to hire him to build a soundproof secret holding pen with hooks on the walls and a biometric lock system to prevent anyone but himself from entering the room. The guy tells Fox News that the suspect had asked him to build a room that was about 4 feet by 9 feet. Think about that. A 4 by 9 room. He wanted the door hidden so no one would suspect there was anything there. He said that the guy spoke about his design for the room. The more he spoke about the design of his room, the stranger it got. He said the guy explained his plans as a special room to hide in and drink alcohol and play music so that his Mormon girlfriend wouldn't catch him. 
But once he started talking about embedding hooks in the walls, having secret doors and biometric locks, the contractor said he started to get suspicious of the plans and decided to not do the job. He said the guy started slowly started sidestepping into more stuff, like wanting a thumb lock on it with a fingerprint lock and soundproofing it and putting hooks in the concrete. He said it was just weird what he was asking me. And even though the guy was weirded out, he says he didn't call the police because he didn't know that any laws had been broken. He said, quote, some people say I should have called the cops then, but how am I supposed to call the cops and be like, hey, this guy wants me to build a weird room in his basement. Now this guy, this, uh, this accused murderer, is a Nigerian native and one-time U.S. Army IT specialist. They end up taking him into custody on Friday at his home in West Temple, Utah. They say, the investigator said, that uh, he and the victim met online, that the last communication that she made was to this accused murderer's number, which was probably on the way to meet him at that park. They also found... uh, Lewick openly boasting about being a sugar baby who trades sexual favors for cash and gifts for old, from older sugar daddy men. So they speculate that this habit formed the basis for her communication with the accused killer. So as I said, a very bizarre story as it begins to unfold, and we'll know more about that in the days to come, but it's definitely... Definitely one to watch. And again, I stress the importance of this whole student visa thing. And the way we bring immigrants into this country. Of course we've got a problem with people crossing the border illegally. But people are coming in here legal ways that have very bad intentions. On the illegal front, I, I can give you these stories every day, by the way. And I could spend a week straight giving you stories just of illegal immigrants committing heinous crimes like an illegal alien and his girlfriend who are now accused of murdering a woman and her two children in North Carolina. This 30-year-old illegal alien from Mexico and his 16-year-old girlfriend allegedly murdered his ex-wife who is 38-year-old Maria Calderon and her two children, an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old, according to the Alexander County Sheriff's Office. Police say this guy and his girlfriend murdered the woman by driving over her with a vehicle and then allegedly dumping her body in one of the rivers there in North Carolina. Over and over and over and over and over this stuff happens. And the Democrat candidates that are running for president need to be approached with these stories. Because they don't talk about that. All they want to talk about is innocent families. Which is fine and dandy. There's plenty we can do. The Democrats refuse to reform the immigration system to make sure the people they claim to care about can safely get into this country and build a better life. They refuse to do anything about that. They want it to stay the way it is. 
And currently, the way it is, is producing things like the picture of the man and the child laying face down in the river that the mainstream media was publishing all over the place for three days straight. That presidential candidates were posting on their Twitter feeds to use for political tools against Donald Trump. When really, those deaths were their fault because they refused to reform the immigration system and refused to put up that wall. If that wall's there, they're never making that trek. If there's a border, they're never trying to get across it. If there's a physical barrier, they're not going to put their lives at risk because they're not getting over here. But they also took that image and just presumed that it was an innocent dad and his daughter. I'm assuming none of these candidates or none of these mainstream media outlets were able to ask that man if that child belonged to him. They weren't able to find out if that child was being trafficked by somebody trying to get into this country by using that child and then doing horrible things once inside this country. Or what even the unspeakable things had been done to that child along the way. They have no idea. It wouldn't be surprising if that turned out to be the case because it happens every single day. Children are abused. They're beaten. They're sexually abused. They're even murdered along the way by these human traffickers that have been paid to bring them across the border. And these murderers and these rapists and these hardened criminals... They take these children that don't belong to them, whether in the form of kidnapping or they take money from a family to transport the child across the border and do unspeakable things along the way. But the Democrats don't care about that. They won't even talk about it. And I hope every one of those instances is thrown in their face along the campaign trail. As we make our way to 2020, that has to be thrown in their face. This week, however, on a different note, is the week of the 4th of July. Today's the 1st, so 2nd, 3rd, 4th on Thursday, 4th of July. Hope everybody's excited about that. Apparently, this is a possibility. It's not set in stone. But if we're doing the math from when Donald Trump said he was about to start illegal immigrant raids and raiding the homes of these hardened criminals that we knew were criminals that were in this country that had committed heinous crimes in the past. We were going to be raiding their homes, snatching them out of their bed and taking them back to Mexico. Those raids were called off because he said he's going to give the Democrats two weeks to come up with a plan. I don't know if you noticed, Democrats haven't come up with a plan, and that two-week standoff is pretty much over. So we could possibly be looking at immigration raids starting on the 4th of July. What could possibly be more American than that? Taking back your country on the birthday of America. Now, Democrats would love that because they would be able to use that as political fodder or whatever, but 
I think it would be a great 4th of July celebration. Because nothing represents America more than freedom, obeying the law, making sure our country is safe. All those things wrapped into one little FBI raid. One little ICE raid, should I say. So there you go. We'll keep an eye out for that. Um, oh, last but not least, let me throw this out here. There's a cartoonist in Canada that put out a cartoon. And for those of you that are watching on YouTube, I'll show you this cartoon. Uh, it's an image of Donald Trump standing outside of his golf cart on a golf course, uh, standing next to that man and child that I just told you about, the, the, the man and the child that had died uh, in that river. The cartoon is of him standing beside them looking down as he's playing golf saying, Do you mind if I play through? And that's backwards for you guys, but you can see it there. An absolutely despicable cartoon, if I do say so myself. Uh, he publishes it. That's June 26th of this year. He put that cartoon out there and turns out he was promptly fired after, after that stunt. Hate it for the guy, but uh, yeah, he got canned for that one. Free speech is, is a little different in Canada than it is here. They're not as tolerant of people saying what they want to, and not in a, an Antifa kind of way. They don't like jail people for life, but um, you remember the guy that used to run around and grab people's microphones that were doing news report, and he used to say some real vulgar things? I can't repeat it on here. But he used to say really nasty things. Um, yeah. There was a guy that did that in Canada. And they actually threw him in jail for it. Believe it or not. <laughs> they did. So it's weird. Be careful what you say if you're in Canada. You might get thrown in the pokey. Alright, I'm out of here. There's going to be plenty more news breaking down. And we will come on here and we'll tell you all about it. On the next episode of Over the Line. Don't forget OverTheLineShow.com. And tomorrow, 10 to 12 Central Standard Time. Talk 99.5. You will hear me on there. So if you want to check that out, please do so. Give us a call. Talk to us. Whatever. You can listen on Talk99.5.com or go to the TuneIn Radio app on your phone and listen there. But we'll be hooking it up. It'll be fun. And then the next podcast will be coming to you soon. As soon as we get posted it. Well, as soon as we do post it, share it with your friends, family, your loved ones, the people you hate, your Antifa friends, your Bernie Sanders friends, everybody. Everybody needs to hear this podcast. So hook it up. Until next time, see you, cuz.